0: Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, February 1st. Who's making a move? That's the question tennis fans are looking to have answered throughout the course of February across levels in the tennis world. As I alluded to on yesterday's show, the month of February truly provides less heralded players on the ATP and WTA tours to do exactly that. And we have seen that manifest itself already throughout the course of our two WTA 250 events happening this week in Lyon and Joaquin. Of course, on today's show, I want to discuss all of Wednesday's action at each of those two events in Lyon. It's a couple of rising young talents, Alicia Parks, Linda Noskova, continuing to put forward big results for Parks. Not only does she reach her second career tour level quarterfinal, she pulls off a tweener lob winner, I believe on a game point, which was... By far, the shot of the year we have seen to date. I implore all of you, I retweeted it. I sincerely hope SportsCenter puts it in their top 10 tonight. It was that sort of excellence, that sort of elite athleticism combined with exceptional feel that... I think is displayed by the 22-year-old Parks. And look, Parks has been a rising star over the course of the past few months. She came to the t- attention of mainstream tennis fans with her run to the Osterva quarterfinals at the end of last season. It's how she followed that up that's been most impressive to me. And I'll get into all of that, as well as her three-set victory over Petra Martic here on today's show. For Linda Nascova, continued excellence. She's been Probably your breakout rising star of the 2023 season thus far, Noskova, into the top 50, into another quarterfinal with a straight set as expected victory today. That said, for a 17-year-old, 18-year-old, I forget how old she is, I believe it's 18, I think Fruvertova 17, but for the Czech team to be inside the top 50, as a teenager, means we're probably going to get to see her at the big events throughout the course of the Sunshine Swing, Miami, Indian Wells. I want to see her tested against the best. I want to continue to see that, I should say, as, again, I think the weapons are real. They certainly looked real t- today. We'll get into all of that, of course, over in Joaquin. We did have a couple of upsets on the day. We, You know, I talked yesterday about the rising—excuse me—young stars— couple of them I alluded to, Linda Fruvertova, Anna Kalinskaya, each knocked out. Wanna talk about both of those matches. I want to talk about your most improved player, I'll say for now. And it's it's through five weeks of play or four and a half weeks of play. I know. Relax, Alex. I am relaxed. But what Julin has accomplished through these first five weeks of the twenty twenty three season, a you know what, second week appearance at the Australian Open, or I believe she made the fourth round there two quarterfinals at the tour level, a new career high. I believe she's 29 years old. What's working right now uh, for the 29-year-old? I want to discuss that here on today's show as she earned another victory over in Joaquin. I want to set the scene, of course, for tomorrow's round of 16 action as well. And then I want to talk about some of the other things. Of course, there's the Cleveland Challenger. And if you monitor Those results closely, which of course we do here at Cracked Rackets because that Cleveland Challenger field, the nexus of everything we love. You have former collegiate superstars. You have a plethora of American men's tennis players, whether they be junior talents, veterans, all these different players in action in Cleveland. I've monitored it all. I certainly went back and watched Alex Mickelson's upset of Jack Sock, the teenager, future University of Georgia player We'll see, actually, I should say, but the current Georgia signee uh, earning a straight set victory over Sock. There's some things I really liked about Mickelson's game. I want to discuss them. want to discuss some of the other results we've seen thus far in Cleveland. That's the agenda for today's show. Of course, a shout out as always to all of you listeners who tune in and a shout out to our dear friends at Tennis Point for their support. They allow us to dive in to the weeds, talk about the 250s happening this week, take a look at the challenger level, and they support a day in, day out podcast daily show is how I should refer to it. Because they know tennis fans have so much information to process, so many results to keep track of. They want to provide a show that does exactly that. They also want to provide tennis players with precisely the equipment that they need at any given moment, whether it be clothing, rackets, you name it, they've got it. Pickleball equipment as well for those intrigued to learn more. Just go to tennis-point.com today when you inevitably... Do make a purchase. Make sure you use our promo code CR15 to let them know we sent you there. We are immensely grateful for their support. All we can ask is that you do the same and support them. Tennis point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, let's get into Wednesday's action. Let's start with the indoor hardcourt play in Lyon, France. And again, the player I want to start with is Alicia Parks because if you have not been keeping track of what the 22-year-old American has been up to over the course of her past three months of action, allow me to educate you now, Alicia Parks, who – has always had weapons dating back to her junior days, and for what it's worth, she played her first pro level match when she was 16 years old back in March of 2017. And you know, didn't uh, elected to forego the college tennis pathway. Spent her time grinding at the 25k level, the 60k level. She played 44 pro matches, excuse me, 54 pro matches in 2019. Where you know, again, her birthday's December 31st, so every year she plays is the year prior to her birthday, right? So she turned 19 in December 31st, 2019. But for her age 18 season, her first full year on the pros, 29 and 25 overall, made a couple of finals at the 15K, 25K level, 2020, 11 and seven, but obviously that's the COVID year, 2021, 25 and 27. But she did, you know, with the success she had the year prior, have that opportunity to play a level up, go play 100Ks, go play 60Ks, where she was able to reach a couple of qualifiers. You look for her last season, things get off to a rollicking start. She makes a final of back to back 60Ks uh, at the end of January, start of February, and then obviously the big run comes towards the middle and end of the season. She qualifies and wins around in Berlin, qualifies in Ostrava, beats Pliskova, beats Soccery before getting knocked out by Krechikova. Then in the month of November, when most of us have tuned out to all uh, tuned out of all the ITF action that is still happening. She makes a seventy a, a semifinal of an eighty k. And then she wins back-to-back 125K events. 10 consecutive victories. She wins 13 out of her last 14 matches of the 2022 season. That gets her to the precipice of the top 100. And ultimately, now you look for Alicia Parks into the top 100. She reaches her second career quarterfinal here in Lyon via a 2-6-7-6-6-2 victory over Petra Martic of weight victory that follows up on her 6 64 first round win over Julia Graber and now you look for Alicia Parks 22 years old she's sitting at number 78 in the live ranking. She's going to get in to the French Open main draw because I mentioned those back-to-back 60K events that she made finals of to start last season. Guess what? You make a WTA 250-level quarterfinal, you've already made up for all of those points you've lost through the first two months of the year. And obviously, she was disappointed to lose in Australian Open qualifying. But to follow that up with Two three-set victories here in Lyon and to get to a quarterfinal on an indoor hard court surfaces that that clearly her weapons will, in my opinion, always be best suited to – It's exactly what you want to see for the 22-year-old as she tries to further ensconce herself inside the top 100 and establish herself at these highest-level events. And the reason why it's going to be so easy for her to do that, particularly throughout this course of uh, February, where, again, there are so many indoor hardcourt matches available or outdoor hardcourts, perhaps, if she wants to go to Mexico a little bit later on. But I think the elevation there will help her in this sense. The serve's a missile. It's a missile. Alicia Parks has... She's not a member of Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club yet, but I think she can come hang out on weekends. Like, I think we're ready to start looking at her big picture because the weapons are non-negotiable. I mean, she has an ace percentage over the course of the past 52 weeks of over 10%. She's hitting aces on 11.9% of her first serves. That would rank amongst top 50 players, that 11.9% number, that would rank number one amongst top 50 players. That's better than Rabakina. It's better than Garcia. Better than Samsonova. Better than Chin Wen. And honest to God, it matches what you see with your eyes. When Alicia Parks lands a first serve, you're in trouble because A, She's either going to hit an ace and she does that one out of every 10 first serves or B, she will hit the ball with such pace either down the tee, flat out wide, right into your body. Everything she does has pace. There's action on that serve. You're going to pop up the return and she just has time then to turn into her ground strokes so cleanly. I was so impressed by the way particularly sets two and three again in her three-set victory today over Martic, How she continued to press forward, continued to put pressure on Petra Martic. Every time she saw Martic turn to the backhand slice in sets two and three, she did the opposite of what she did in set number one. She pushed forward to the net, started taking the ball out of the air just to put additional pressure on Martic, tried to take time away from Petra, and it succeeded. And I mean, again, Martich had her chances. She did an excellent job of driving the ball through the Parks forehand, and I do think when players can match Alicia Parks' weapons, you know, again, that serve will keep her competitive in every match she plays, right? That's why Ben Rothenberg came on in December and had her, I believe, as one of his top five Americans to end the 2023 season on the American women's side because – like a Rabacada, like a Samsonova, like a Garcia. Again, just watch Alicia Parks hits first serves. I don't care what surface is on; uh, it's on when she is serving well and her first serve percentage has continued to climb closer and closer to over 60%. She's gotten at least 2% better with her first serve percentage in every season that she's played. Um, but again, you look for Alicia Parks – When she's on her front foot, when she's moving forward, the explosion of that first step moving forward, I mean, how much ground she covers at the net as well with her, you know, again, when she figures out which way you're leaning with your pass, she is quick enough reacting and has a quick enough first step to cover ground and take that away from you. She does such a good job with her first volley, not just knifing it away, but with placement, with depth. She is a good volleyer, not just someone who knows where to go and what to do, but comfortable up there. Again, I would like to see her return of serve against Pace. I do think her backhand return of serve is is far more fluid than the forehand side. I think when she has time on the forehand wing, she's certainly a little bit more dangerous off of that ground stroke, although I do think she's capable of generating winners off of either wing, which is why, again, she can come hang out at Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club if she'd like. I'm not ready to anoint her a Tier 1 talent or a future Grand Slam champion, but That serve just has a place in the top 50, and not just the serve. I should say that service game, Alicia Parks' service game, how well she protects it with her first strike. That first strike tennis is top 50 caliber, and again, she just overwhelmed that backhand wing of Petra Martic. Martic started doubting herself with the slice and was a little less comfortable playing her drop shots just felt like she was always on her back foot after a front foot where she played aggressive and she was driving through the ball and she was getting the ball on Alicia Parks's body so Parks didn't have quite as much time to swing through her shot comfortably and then it just kind of, you know again second set tie break Parks separates herself she makes the tweener as well i think that's at the start of the second set actually i want to say it's two all for 3-2 at the start of the second set and you could just tell Alicia Parks got her rhythm I love the way she competes. I love her presence on court, how confident she is in herself, and you need to have that confidence. And by the way, when you show up to a gunfight and you've got the biggest gun, which she does in her serve, you have reason to be confident. Now, you look for Alicia Parks. The sample size is still quite small. 108 and 103 for her career. 51% win percentage. Twenty and twenty-two in tour level matches. A lot of that has come in qualifying. Also nine and ten in her career against top one hundred opponents. That said, she's now won five consecutive matches against the top one hundred, beating Naskova, Jungshui, Shui, Vandrusova, Grabera, and now Martich as well. Each of those matches have come since the uh it since the start of December, excuse me. So again, all in the past two months. I think this is more of who she is than vice versa. I think she makes that first surf with such more frequency now that it just allows her again to get into her weapons. And I'm, I feel very confident in her first strike. I do think she moves really well. Is she the best at changing direction? No, but boy, is her first step explosive. And I'm in. I want to watch more. But this is going to be a good month for Alicia Parks given the surfaces we are playing on. And again, Alicia Parks' second career quarterfinal at the tour level here in Lyon, up to number 78 in the live rankings. One more victory will take her to a new career high of number 70. The, if you're asking me, do I think Alicia Parks will be top 50 in to the 2023 season? I do. This is where she can make a move to put herself in position to do exactly that. Your top 70, you're getting into Indian Wells Miami qualifying. Your top fifty, you're getting into the main draw. That's the goal here in this month of February. If let's look this up, if Alicia Parks wins the title, which I'm not saying will happen because you look for Alicia Parks now in the draw. She faces the winner of Dunka Kavinich and a Bondar, very winnable match. Um still Caroline Garcia sitting at the top half of the draw. Linda Noskova sitting uh, in the top half of the draw, Jung Shui, Potopova still sitting in this bottom half. I mean, Garcia is the Tier One contender. Thirty-four percent, according to Tennis Abstract, likelihood of winning the event. Parks eleven point one percent. She's third, according to Tennis Abstract. I'd go second over Nascova just because of what side of the draw they're on. Uh, obviously, Tennis Abstract factors that in, and they still give it to Nascova. I'd st- I'd go Parks number two on that list. I test wise again the weapon she has. Now Garcia would be a bad matchup because Garcia is probably even better at executing that first strike. Not probably, she is better and more consistently executes the first strike tennis. But the Park serve would be a tough matchup for Caroline Garcia because she wouldn't be able to take it early on the rise as she likes to do on hypothesizing about a potential final when Alicia Parks has played two consecutive three-set matches to start this tournament. But guess what? She's won two consecutive three-set matches. She's won five consecutive top 100 battles. That is a player on the rise. That's tweet-worthy. Remember, Alex, Alicia Parks' tweet, second quarter final, uh, five straight top 100 victories. Uh, Yeah, Alicia Parks is a player on the rise. And so I do think uh, she's someone – You have to watch for here in the month of February. And that's not a hot take, by the way. Many of you hardcore nerds, and I say that affectionately because that's where I view myself, hardcore tennis nerds. That's what we are. Let's embrace it. You know about Alicia Parks. But just a reminder, she's having a good week. So keep an eye on it and go watch the tweener she hit in Lyon as well. Your other winners on the day uh, in Lyon, Kami Osorio, 6-5 over Nehemiah, i Coined her yesterday as one of the youngsters to keep an eye on. That's a really nice win because Nehemiah probably had the bigger weapons. But you could just watch the – Osorio's ability – She's not the fastest, but she is quick and she anticipates so well and that combination of being quick but anticipating as well as she does, she's a great mover. And she just absorbed that Nehemiah first strike and she's a good enough athlete that and creative enough that she just made Nehemiah uncomfortable changing direction never more than two directions in the sa- uh, two balls consecutively in the same direction. She just got her off kilter, and Nehemiah held serve very consecutively throughout the course of this match. Against six and five match overall. Nehemiah actually broken five times. It was – yeah, I mean both of them just attacked the second serve though, I suppose. It didn't feel like there were five breaks of serve. Uh, Nehemiah was broken five times in this match, but I suppose she was. And again, that's a testament to Osorio. Nehemiah didn't make over 60% of her first serves, though. I do suppose looking back now, that did feel like a notable trend that Osorio was able to take that first strike away when she needed to because Nehemiah couldn't find that first serve. But again, it's a really big win for a former world junior, number one in Osorio, who is back up to number 67 with her quarterfinal appearance here in Lyon. And that's where she wants to be heading into, another player who could absolutely find herself in the top 50, approaching the Sunshine Swing, um, as she is, you know, these next four months are going to be big for Osorio as well, as we know how successful she can be on the clay courts. Your other two winners on the day, uh, three winners on the day, shout out Jasmine Paolini, uh, Ali Van Utvenk, both first round winners, the final round one matches of the event, and then Linda Nascova clean it up three and two win over six seeded Meyer Sharif now it wasn't a surprise surprise I know Sharif uh was seated above Naskova, who as I alluded to yesterday had to come through qualifying but Sharif is 50th in the rankings Naskova's is 56 with her victory Nascova up to a new career high number 49 in the live ranking she has surpassed Meyer Sharif makes sense again Nascova brought the biggest weapons to the match. nascova 72.5% first serve win percentage. She went unbroken an hour, eight minutes. She was always on her front foot. She was teeing off on the return of serve. When you give her time, she has elite weapons. It's not as... No, it it's Fringe's Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club. Not quite there because the serve... Well, this first serve is pretty big. You know what? We're going to have to have a meeting. I got to call Jeff and we got to discuss who's on the precipice, who are the next big candidates, what are the wave of potential entries because Rabakina was a long time caddied as a junior there and, you know, had long time weekend privileges, long time golf privileges. Hell, you know, both she and Sablanka could vacation there. That's how certain we were. They were both going to be eventual members. They have now obviously been inducted. I think Caroline Garcia, who's a Double Slam champion, she can vacation there right now. I mean, Alicia Parks isn't quite at vacation status, but she can come to the Sunday brunch. Chin Wen can come to the Sunday brunch. Uh, Who else can come to the Sunday brunch right now? Who are the prospective members of Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club? At me, at AL Gruskin, you know, at Cracked Rackets. You know where to find me if you have any suggestions. I'll put Nuskova on the list. I like the, I mean, again, the backhand alone earns her entry. Uh, I'm trying to think. Who, yeah, you know what? We're going to have to replenish. Oh, Anisimova is the other name. I was like, I'm blanking on a name. Anisimova is another one who we're keeping our eyes on as a potential Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club. That feels good. Parks, Noscova, Chinwen, Anisimova. That those are your four, hey, we're watching you. We, we we're keeping an eye on on your progression moving forward. Of course the wild card Diana Yastremska who shows up and we're like, Yeah, you do have that sort of power, but we just don't have the heart to tell you no. Um anyways, those are your prospective members and watching the weapons of Linda Neskova. She's She's in the top 50, and I don't know when the next time the 18-year-old, barring injury, will fall out of it. That said, as of right now, you look at the draw in Lyon. According to Tennis Abstract, Garcia, 34% favorite. naskova 14-8. Parks, 11-1. Osorio, 7-6. Like, Jung Shui, the two-seed who's still alive, who will take on Marina Zinevska after a victory over Madison Brangle today. Um... She that They call that match 50-50. That match is going to be a grind. Potapova should beat Burel, and boy, a contrast in styles. If it's a Parks-Potapova semifinal, that would be very, very fun. It's been a good draw in Lyon thus far, and again, you still got some youngsters alive. Former world junior, number one, Zosorio, Potapova, junior French Open champion, L- Naskova, the 22-year-old Parks. Andriva still alive in the event as well. And then you've got a top 10 player in the world in Caroline Garcia. So plenty still to watch for in Lyon. Let's move now, though, to the action happening over in Hua Hin. again, site of our other WTA 250 event happening this week. Not the best day for the Rising Stars. Anna Kalinskaya knocked off in three sets by Lysia Serenko. Tamara Zdancic, a three-set win over Linda Fruvertova. Big picture takeaway. And by the way, you look overall on the day, you know, a bunch of long matches. Shortest match on the day was the hour 25, three and three win. All the other three went over two hours. These courts in Wahina are slow, slow, slow. I don't know why went. Again, it's been a lot of talking for us here at Cracked Rackets. My brain is somewhat broken. The point is, it's hard to hit a winner. And that was the issue for Kalen at Serenka was just far more willing to step into her forehand, step inside the baseline, start hitting swinging volleys, just try to force you know, tried to prevent Kalinskaya from anticipating the direction she was going with her aggression. That was her counter rather than trying to swing bitter, bigger, just trying to take the ball earlier or in unexpected positions for Kalinskaya. For Fruvertova it was just, a, she was a little too slap happy at first. Uh, and by that, I mean she was determined to hit through the court, and the errors were piling up because you could tell she felt the need to generate additional pace in order to be able to hit through the court. And as such, the ball was sailing on her. She reined that in in set number three. Again, each of these matches, Serenko, Kalinskaya, Fruvertova, Zidanec, which went two hours, 57 minutes, they were each grinds. Fruvertova got locked in. Fruvertova went into park the bus mode and she's 17 year old it you know it's funny because sometimes the most primal like teenage instincts oh zidancic's forehand's better than her backhand i'm gonna hit every ball to that outside corner that's what fruvertova began to do she then would open up that forehand wing and would take the ball down the line just to keep zidancic honest and yet zidancic's forehand was the biggest weapon on the court zidancic was patient she was physical it was a really good three hour match. Fruvertova did not play well, she played poorly in set number one, but she competed really well, which is really all you want out of a 17 year old who's already number 50 in the live rankings. I was really impressed with the way Fruvertova competed, found ways to win points even when she wasn't at her best. And that's a testament to that well rounded skill set, to her ability to problem solve. That said, that's a much needed win for Zdanzig three sets over Fruvertova. The big winner on the day is Julin. And you look for the 29-year-old Ju Lin now into her second quarterfinal of the year. Again, second round appearance at—excuse uh, me, second week appearance, fourth round at the Australian Open. She beats Azarenka, beats Teichmann, uh, uh excuse me, beats Zachary, beats Teichman before getting knocked out in three by Azarenka. She makes quarterfinals in Auckland, now quarterfinals here in Hua Hin. You look for the 29-year-old. She's up to a new career high of 53 in the world. 53 in the world— her 29th birthday was four days ago. Happy belated birthday to you, Julin, or three days ago, four days ago, January 28th, because 29, 30, 31, today's the first. Um, anyways, who cares? Ignore me there. Brain's breaking. Julin is not. And it's the physicality that's most impressive that ability to absorb and redirect the pace. She, uh, it's funny, it's Bojkova esque. Maybe that's my best comparison for her. And that. She does move really well. She's a good athlete, so when she gets to the ball, she can explode through it. Everything is going through the court right now. She's swinging so freely, and the depth has been so impressive. And again, a straight-set winner over uh, Jung Soo Jung, who also got a win over Wang Shiyu in round number one. She's going to get into Indian Wells. She's going to get into Miami. Certainly going to get into the French Open and plenty of tour-level clay court events over the course of the next few months. And you look for the 29-year-old in her career on the clay courts. Uh, Just 23 and 24 overall, and a lot of that has come at the 25, 15K, 10K level hasn't played a ton of clay court matches in her career to have only what 47 matches of she's played a career a total of she's oh by the way she's about to play her 600 math ju lin 598 matches in her career she's played fewer than 50 of them right or what was it yeah she's played fewer than 50 of them almost 600 matches in her career she's played fewer than 50 of them on clay courts what decision will she make from a scheduling perspective? That's going to be fascinating to see because if she is not comfortable moving on the dirt, that movement is so is so uh, is so essential to her success. Top fifty player, though. How do you not go chase the points? How do you go not chase some paychecks for the first time as well? That will be fascinating to see. That said, you look at the draw right now. Your favorite Bianca Andreescu still a thirty two percent? Excuse me, thirty two point nine percent. To win the event, Soranko now, after knocking out Kalinskaya, 21.8%. And it does feel worth mentioning, Ford Soranko, 33 years old, and yet she's played better tennis over the course of the last 52 weeks, 29 and 13 overall. Now, she hasn't been the healthiest, but when she has been healthy, she's winning 70% of her matches. She, again, physically, that ability to hit through the forehand, that ability to move fairly fluidly as well. Twenty-nine thirteen speaks for herself and you look for Serenko now who obviously a former top thirty player back up to number one twenty-six in the live rankings, one more victory away from getting up to one eleven. She should re-enter the top 100 this year. She can sustain the level we saw from her last night. So that's a good win from Serenko, who right now second-best odds to win the event. 21.8, Julin 13.3, Kostyuk, who's going to take on now, Hibino in the round of 16, 12.9% chance of capturing event. That's your look at the action in Hua Hin, the other WTA event. Some may have their eye on the 125K event in Kali, Top seed, Rebecca Lukajani, knocked out by Nadia Podoroska, 0-2. Now, if you listened to yesterday's podcast, you know the numbers predicted it would be lopsided. It was. And on clay courts, Podoroska is not a top 100 player. She's top 50 player in the world. The former, what, French Open quarterfinalist or semifinalist? I forget what it was. But moving well. Again, a surface where her physicality shines through for Podoroska, back up to number 151 in the rankings. She's favored to win the event right now, according to Tennis Abstract. If she does indeed do so, she'll be back up to number 112. And if she gets into the main draw of the French Open, I just— I don't want her as my first-round opponent, so that's a good win uh, for Podoroska. Two-seed, Laura Pagosi still alive. Eighth-seed, Fernanda Contreras Gomez still alive, but those are your only two-seeds remaining as we look at the round of 16 action over in Cali. Let's move now to the men's side though and a quick run through. I'll go through all four challengers, but I want to start in particular in Cleveland with Alex Mickelson. And I went and watched Mickelson's victory seven six six four over Jack Sock. Mickelson was down a set uh was down a break very early. I think he got broken right out of the gator in his second service game. I just think it was his second service game of the match. Seemed overwhelmed in the first 10 minutes by the serve, by the pace of the first forehand off of Sox racket, And yet, what's so impressive to me about Alex Mickelson, who with this victory moves up to a new career high, number 467 in the live rankings for the 18-year-old, one spot ahead of his future Georgia teammate, 18-year-old Ethan Quinn it's how assertive he is in his service games. And you look at the first serves, uh, who in, and you look for Mickelson yesterday who wins 70% of his first serve points, 50% of his second serve points was broken twice in the match. And by the way, went down a break in the second set as well, uh, after see you know or was he down a break or was he already up but he was facing game point he was down love 40 in his opening service game of the set in the second set he held he i think got broken in that second service game 4-3 1 but either immediately got the break back or vice versa the point is what i really love about Mickelson 18 years old and he's about 6'2 6'3 maybe a hair taller I love how assertive he is with that serve, how he hits the big serve to the spots, whether it be the kick wide on the ad, the slice wide on the deuce. He can jam your body. He can go big T. He does all of those things, and then he continues to push forward to the net. He is so decisive. In his movements forward. Such a good or Not just someone who knows where to go and what to do, but there's a little edge. There's a little action coming off of the, the volley, off of his racket. And he can knife it cross court. He can hit the short angle confidently. He hits his overhead with such fluidity. For a guy with his size, for a guy with his serve, you know, anytime he got Jack Sock stretched on that backhand wing and saw Sock was going to turn slice, Mickelson pinched forward. For an 18-year-old to have built that instinct already, that's impressive. And from a size perspective, you feel like he can put on 10, 10 pounds of muscle and with his length not feel compromised from a movement perspective and still get the weapons a little bit bigger I love how condensed his backhand backswing is how well he absorbs redirects pace on that side comfortable going line there don't love his forehand it's a little there's a little bit of a hitch, the backswing. He he just starts like a little late. It feels like that's where things go wrong and especially sock forehand to forehand. When he did choose to exploit it that side could you know serve to that forehand wing. Mickelson would automatically chip that forehand return or make leave something short. That said, he does a great job of using his feet to take the ball early, protecting that wing well, changing direction with that wing, taking it on the rise, down the line, and absorbing the topspin his opponents provide. He can get on top of the ball, can get outside the ball and generate nice angle, but that the whip that it takes is, again, where the shanks come or why the ball will sometimes lead short because he does have a bigger backswing and he'll catch the ball a little late. Still, for someone to have his serve, his backhand, his size, his confidence moving forward, how well he volleyed, I think he's great moving vertically, moving backwards as well. I think the lateral movement needs work, but I like where what I see athletically. I'm in. I'm in on Alex Mickelson, who again is inside the top 500 now for the first time in his career, who's 33-11 is Mickelson over his last 52 weeks on the Pro Tour. He made at least the quarterfinal round of eight different futures over the course of the past year. He's 6-2 in those quarters, 4-2 the semis, 4 futures finals, 2 futures titles, including one to start January last week in Edmond, Oklahoma. He's doing it the hard way. And look, 18 years old, turns 19, so he's not going to be able to play Kalamazoo this year because he turns 19 in August. That's brutal. I mean, he's a Georgia signee planning to go there. You do wonder physically, boy, put him in a Georgia weight room, let him play some bigger hitters as well at the collegiate level. That said, he played one of the biggest hitters in Jack Sock, and he was able to play on his terms throughout the course of the match, in particular on his service games, and did enough on his return games uh, to stay competitive. I also thought Sock got way too tentative. You know, first uh, first service point of the second set break, uh, the first set breaker, excuse me, goes down an immediate mini break, which Mickelson just protects the rest of the way. Because Sock had to hit a second serve, and then he was playing 12 feet behind the baseline. And you just can't give Mickelson that much ground, particularly for Sock, who hits a heavy topspin forehand. Now Mickelson gets to use that forehand, take advantage of the position disadvantage, take that ball early on the rise, beat you to the spot. Mickelson was excellent. Like, again... And do I think he's going to be a future Slam champion off of the basis of this win? No. The 33-11 and 11 over the last 52 weeks, it's really impressive. I see the weapons. I see the size. I see a pathway with his game style to the top 100. A lot of work to go. This is an impressive start. Keep an eye on Alex Mickelson in Cleveland, who, by the way, coming up next, he'll have uh, a very fun matchup for Mickelson against two-time Boys 18's Kalamazoo champion Zach Sfida, who may not have the biggest weapons but will make you earn everything physically. And that's a very fun contrast of styles. Mickelson, the aggressor, Sfida, countering. Uh, that's a really fun battle. There's a lot of really fun physical battles coming up uh, over the course of the next few days in Cleveland. Of course, you look uh, as of right now, you've got uh, Emilio Gomez into the quarterfinals. He gets a three-set win over talented future TCU player, Jack Pennington-Jones. Excuse me, round of 16 win. He'll now take on the big server, Gab Diallo. Diallo, decisive victories, straight sets over Kentucky's Alafiaini. one-and-one win there. The pace of Diallo just overwhelmed Alafia, uh, who just was playing the ball too close to his body. But that's a testament, again, to the pace, overwhelming nature of the ball that Diallo hits. You also had, uh, so again, big serving Diallo gets a three-set win as well over Mitchell Krueger, 6-7, 6-1, 6-1. Win, not if. When, Will Gab six 6'7", moves so well, so fluid, so condensed on both ground strokes. The serve is just a, a monstrosity. I'm all in on Gab That's been well established here at Crack Rackets over the years. That's a very fun contrast of styles between he and Gomez in the quarterfinals. Of course, elsewhere, Steve Johnson going to take on former Ohio State standout Kyle Seelig. You imagine the serve, the forehand, the kick. I don't know how Celia's going to deal with Stevie's kick serve. That's an interesting matchup winner. Going to take on Alexander Kovasevich, who has always played good ball in Cleveland. You want to like physicality? Sandgren Holt. Put, start the clock, two and a half hours, Svita Mickelson, Kozlov's going to take on Ryan Harrison, Kozlov escaping with a first round win over former Texas A&M All-American Jack so- Uh, excuse me, former All-American Patrick Kipson, uh, he's going to take on Ryan Harrison, who the qualifier got a much needed first round win here at the Challenger, again, two guys start the clocks, and then Ebing Wu does survive. Three sets over Aiden Mayo. He's going to take on strong Kirkheimer, the former Northwestern All-American, in round two. And again, round of 16 action. Let's just go through the draw quickly. Gomez, USC. Pennington Jones, TCU. Kruger was committed to a though ultimately didn't go. Diallo, Kentucky. Johnson, USC c Ohio State, nothing Marchenko, Kovacevic, Illinois, Holt, USC, Sandgren, Tennessee, Sfida, nothing, Mickelson, Georgia commit, Kozlov, nothing, Harrison, nothing, Kirkheimer, Northwestern, Ebing Wu, future GOAT. Um, yeah, it's a loaded draw. We're interested in what's going on in Cleveland and, again, in particular, that mickelson Sfida matchup, two young Americans to certainly have your eyes on and, you know, it's Cleveland's just one of four challenger events happening throughout the course of this week at the Bernie Challenger. Right now James Duckworth still your favorite the top seed straight set winner in round number 1. Excuse me. He's still alive. Your favorite, though, is number two seed, Rinky Hichikata, who also got a straight set win in round number one and will now take on wildcard Blake Ellis. Hichikata has been exceptional over the course of the last 52 weeks and coming off of an Australian Open men's double slam title. Hichikata with his first round win. New career high, number 146 for the 21-year-old. Obviously won a match at the Australian Open as well guy's a monster physically so quick so athletic the ground strokes are so fluid he's got weapons we might have 20 college guys in the top 100 like if that happens praise be 20 is a little high but we might get to 15 and like that would be awesome just worth noting um, for all of you Cracked Rackets fans. But again, as of right now, your only seeds remaining, Duckworth, Hijikanta, seventh-seeded Hiroki Maria uh, At as of this stage of the round of 16. Adam Walton, another former University of Tennessee, All-American big wins for him at this event over Machizuki and then a win over Sekiguchi in round number two. Two. Uh, with that said that's Bernie you look one more over in Koblenz, Uh there top seed Jung Ji Zhen knocked out by Zdenek Kolar in the round of 16 Kolar the 3 set win look Guy is physical. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's a good win for Kolar to take out the top seed. Your favorite's still there, though, especially on a, on a surface he hasn't always thrived on. Uh, Vashik Paspa still the favorite. 34.5% Roman Cephalian, uh The talented Russian, 28.9% in the number two spot. You still have the two, three, four. And seven seeds uh, still alive at the action over in Koblenz. And then last, but certainly not least, Tenerife, where Lloyd Harris is a 61.9% favorite. He knocks out top seed Francesco Passaro, 7-5 in the third. In the round of 16, Harris unseeded, which makes sense given he's coming off of injury. That said, he made a a challenger semifinal and finals first two weeks of the season. Wins a match in Australia, now into another challenger quarterfinal. It's when, not if. the big serving Harris gets back into the top 100 and by the way he only turns 26 years old this year so one injury and then he's back where he belongs uh for the prime of his career that said that's everything happening right now across the ATP and WTA tours now I mentioned at the start of the show it's really who's making a move across levels. And certainly at the collegiate ranks, we saw a lot of teams make their move throughout the course of the ITA kickoff weekend. We now know what 16 teams will be competing at the men's and women's national indoor championships. If you want to hear about any of the college tennis action, who might be the next players who go on to successful pro careers, you can learn all about it over on our Great Shot podcast feeds. Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, we recap all the Division One college tennis action. Of course, all that content available on the newly renovated Cracked Rackets website. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who has a f- of an any job to do day in, day out, yet still found a way to make our website that much better. Of course, a shout out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, go to tennis-point.com today. Use our promo code CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at tennis point and from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say that's the break and we'll talk to you all tomorrow thanks everyone